Thanks for tuning into the Murphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, a.k.a. Murph, and I am here to give tips and information about group bicycling and bicycle touring with a focus on the Midwest and hopefully provide some entertainment for you as well. Well, on the show today is Dan Trembath. Hey, Dan. Hi there. How's it going today? Pretty good. Good. Well, we're on location at one of our favorite spots to have a cocktail. So hopefully there's not too much background noise. Um, And it's super hot and it's probably going to storm. So let's see if we can make it through this. (laughs) I hope we can. (laughs) Oh, cue the motorcycle that goes by. So, Well, about Dan. So in my opinion, Dan is a pro, as in professional, when it comes to short multi-day tours. He packs smart and he packs a lot of stuff on his bike. I would say he's like the Boy Scout of touring. I hope that's not offensive. Definitely not. (laughs) If you need it, Dan probably has it and is more than ready to help. So this past weekend, Dan led a group ride that visited the High Trestle Bridge, which is located near Madrid, Iowa. Um, Hopefully, if you haven't seen the High Trestle Bridge, you, after this podcast, Google it and find out. It's a beautiful, it's a wonder of Iowa. So uh, how was the trip, Dan? Uh, It was very good. Um, The weather outlook originally looked like it was going to be pretty rainy, um, but we were really fortunate. Uh, The day was mid-60s and warm and sunny. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't until about maybe five o'clock where the clouds kind of rolled in, but uh, we did get rained on at about mm, about eight o'clock to yeah. about eleven thirty. So Were you sti- still able to see the bridge when it was lit up? Yes, we did. Yeah, it was a little damp, but you still uh, <laughs> made damp. it through. Correct. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, let's get started. Um, You know, here we are in Iowa, and that's kind of what this podcast is about, talking about group riding and bike packing or bike touring in the Midwest. But have you always lived in the Midwest? I have. Um, I grew up in northern Minnesota. Oh, okay. uh, North of Duluth, which is really close to Canada. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Went to college in North Dakota, and then work brought me to Iowa. Awesome. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a milder climate down here compared (laughs) to where I grew up. So when it's super cold and we're all bundled up, you're probably still like, it's fine, you guys, come on. Yes. <laughs> well, when you were in Minnesota, did you ride bikes much? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I grew up with BMX and mountain biking, ah. um, mostly as a means, I guess, to hang out with friends. Yeah. Uh, I was an 80s kid. Uh, it was the way to uh, hang out with friends and meet up after, I'd say, about high school wasn't doing as much uh, biking, uh, kind of put it away for a little bit of time and right. went off to college um, after high school. Yeah. And that's kind of a common uh, description of, you know, people bike for transportation when they're little kids. Uh, maybe not now because it's not doesn't seem as safe. Although when I was a little kid, I don't think I had a helmet. I don't think I even thought about cars you know when I was on the street but somehow I made it I don't know (laughs) right just had to come home when the lights came on yeah exactly yeah so um, you didn't ride bikes as much as an adult so to speak but like have you been back at all to kind of see what the cycling culture is like there yeah um, especially after college gone back uh, several times just to visit family and the cycling community has definitely picked up say ever since the late 90s to early 2000s there was a lot of large projects uh, that were funded in northern Minnesota and just to name a couple uh, the Masabi Trail that goes from like Grand Rapids Minnesota all the way to Ely Uh, it's a 
about a 30, 130 mile stretch. Oh, wow. Uh, most of it is paved and it kind of winds through iron ore, open pit mines and lakes. I think there's 25 to 30 miles left of st- that still hasn't been paved, but there is a, a gravel trail oh, on nice. that stretch. Uh, another big one is the Paul Bunyan Trail in oh, like yeah. Bra- uh, from Bemidji to uh, Brainerd. Uh, that one, I believe, is one of the longest continuously paved trails, about 112 miles, yeah. I think, is what it's uh, it's at. And there's a few others. Uh, there's one on the northern shore of Lake Superior, uh, running from two harbors. Uh, what is it? The Gachigami Trail, I believe. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's right. It runs parallel to the north shore of Lake Superior, and there's a lot of large cliffs. Uh, waterfalls from all the rivers going into Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a famous uh, the Split Rock Lighthouse. So yeah. it's, it's well, all, all of those sound like super beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, and you didn't mention it, but everyone probably knows that there's 10,000 lakes <laughs> in Minnesota. So I'm sure it's like every time you go around the corner, you're just like, oh, it's so beautiful. And, um, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot to see. Plus, you've like you mentioned, the Great Lakes you've got. We need to... Uh, plan a trip there <laughs> i think you've we tried i think you've tried a couple times and we it like as a social group we just haven't pulled the trigger so you need to get on that yeah i need to organize something and now it's here on a podcast so you <laughs> just said that you're gonna do it <laughs> I, I like that <laughs> um so when you look at like bicycle touring and i say this on every episode but you know bicycle touring can be defined in many ways and I certainly do not define bicycle touring at least for me as in month-long everything on your bike that you need I'm more of a uh, multi-day or a week at a time typically even an overnight is to me bicycle touring and it means putting all your stuff on your bike um, to sleep to change clothes uh, sometimes to eat you know usually we'll find a place to go but um, name a few places that you've been Wow, uh, let's see here. Um, the Katy Trail in uh, Missouri, uh, oh, stretching yes. from uh, St. Charles, oh, historic St. Charles, yes. uh, to Herman. I've done that stretch a couple times. Uh, Root River in Minnesota has been a common one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harmony, Preston, uh, Lanesboro, mm-hmm. um, those segments. Uh, I've done the Masabi Trail in northern Minnesota. That's a fun one. Uh, did it a number of years ago. And uh, several overnights uh, just around the Cedar Rapids area, mm-hmm. stretching out to Palo, Lake McBride, uh, Independence is a fun one, and uh, obviously LaPorte City, we've done that one a couple of times. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the nice thing about the trail system from Cedar Rapids is it will take you, well now as far south as like almost Solon, and then north, it will take you all the way to Waterloo. Waterloo, yeah. 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 So uh, another big one is uh, uh, the pack, bike packing out to the start of Ragbri. We don't quite get to the start, but yeah, uh, yeah. we we make an attempt and uh, definitely have a, a good sized group along on that trip. Yep, and I've been part of that trip quite a few years, and it is a blast. I mean, we gear up and uh, usually go three, four days, sometimes a little longer, and wherever we end up, then everybody kind of does their own thing, whether they jump on Ragbrai, go home. For me, I always had to work uh, one of those days, so. um, And this year, uh, I don't think we've talked about it on a different podcast, but we literally launched from Cedar Rapids. We wanted to launch, let's say, at noon, and then at 1.30, it's like black sky, pouring down rain, well, let's wait another hour. So then 
we finally hit the trail and we end up on a newly, what would you call that, tarred? Yes, uh, I missed this year's uh, yeah. bag out, but uh. I, I seen the tar that was left on the bike and yeah. bags. It uh, was like gravel, I think, and then tarred it. And you couldn't really tell when we were pedaling through it because it was wet. But we all get to, uh, I think, the little town of Atkins, and we are completely tarred. Our bikes are tarred. There are chunks of tar everywhere. So, <laughs> Pro tip, uh, bringing wet wipes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we ended up finding somebody in Atkins, and I think you'll talk about this later, just how friendly people are, of the Gugon. Yes. And Gugon saved our lives, both our bodies and our bicycles. So uh, those are some of the places you've been on your touring bicycle. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite place to ride? Oh, honestly, that's a, that's a hard one to pick. I know, uh, yeah. I really enjoy all of them. Um, I'd say all of the adventures, all, all the adventures I've mentioned, uh, I'd say provide me with endless stories and memories. Yeah. They're, they're all unique. But I'd say the common denominator is in enjoying those touring adventures with close friends. Yeah. Um, it's We've seen some of the worst conditions with like down trees and giant potholes, torrential rain, but whenever there's adversity, it seems like we pick each other up and we make the best of whatever situation. But I'd say seriously, uh, the bang out trip to Ragbri, uh, <laughs> we're kind of stuck with each other for a few more days. Yeah, yeah, we are stuck with each other. But in, to me, that is what uh, bicycle touring is all about. It's the group aspect and, you know, getting to know people. Like, it's funny, sometimes we'll spend three or four days with each other and it's just a neutral zone like we might not know where we all work we might really not know where anybody lives and it's not because we don't care it's just that we're along for the fun and the biking and enjoying the time together (laughs) so let's talk about bicycle setup Um, describe what you ride and maybe a few important to you features my current touring bike is a mossy giramondo uh it is a steel frame bike um it's got 650B, or also known as 27 and a half, uh, by two-inch tires. Kind of gives me the versatility to uh, ride different types of trail conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, mix of road, gravel, dirt. Uh, it's especially an off-road uh, kind of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, some important features. Uh, to me, bulletproof is my game. Uh, I tend to be a little rough on my bikes and I need a bike that can take the abuse. Uh, It sounds heavy, but there's a difference kind of between heavy and unwieldy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) The geometry is quite relaxed and uh, it's kind of somewhat between a mountain bike and a cyclocross kind of gravel bike. Um, Being comfortable is important. Uh, a perfectly sized bike with a you know comfortable geometry and saddle wire it allows you to ride all day yeah um i've had good luck with a particular saddle a brooks cambium all-weather saddle mm-hmm. uh, had it for several years and uh i'd say another important feature is you got to have racks in uh panniers uh yeah we're bike packing yeah that's right <laughs> you got to put your stuff somewhere um, when you're looking at uh that brooks saddle is the the cambium i may be saying it wrong but is that the one that you quote i'm putting air quotes here that you don't have to break in so to speak that is correct yeah and it's also it can weather the storm a little bit better than others correct yeah it doesn't soak in any moisture and stretch like a leather saddle does i'm uh i've never made the stretch to try brooks saddles so i'm 
considering it, but right now I'm s- still stuck on Oregon and Terry. I love those guys so much. And back to your point about geometry, I've always been impressed in the past. You used to, I don't think you do anymore, but you used to carry a, a music box on the back of your bike. And it wasn't just a music box. It was like a, uh, what's it called? It was a 50 cal ammo can in which I put uh, six, six by nine inch speakers in it with a motorcycle battery and uh, it weighed about 18 to 19 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> and that was back when, you know, before you e-booms were around. And so you were like the guy that supplied the music and you would always have this huge amount of weight on the back of your bike that wasn't gear, it was actually your music system. So I was always impressed that you compensated for that by putting most of your gear on the front of your bike. Yes. And I don't know if you still do that, but I was always like, why does he have so much stuff on the front of his bike? And then you try and lift your bike, and then you realize, oh my God, it's because the back of his bike is super heavy too. Yes, um, that stereo has been since retired for a little bit of time. <laughs> um, uh, I found that I wasn't uh, being able to listen and talk with friends as I was yeah. cycling as yeah. often. You know, yes, it was good for one music source to be dispersed amongst the group. Sure. But uh, I miss that aspect of talking with everyone. Okay, so like I mentioned, sometimes you have bags on the front. Now that you do not have your 18-pound uh, stereo on the back, you, you probably utilize your whole bike as far as uh, panniers go. So what kinds of things go inside the bags? Well, uh, camping gear, tent, hammock, uh, depending on what type of sleeping you want to do. Uh, sleeping bag, air mattress. Um, I also carry uh, an array of tools. Um, Sometimes I think I carry too many tools. But Wait, I gotta, I gotta stop you there because <laughs> my kickstand was loose when we were on some trip uh, where we were up in Laporte City, yeah. and I was complaining that my kickstand was loose, and I'm like, I don't know how to, you know, the whatever, whatever piece that needed to be tightened. You pull out this like eight inch long something or other. What was that? I had some robo grips. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, what? And he's like, let me, oh, let me, let me try this out. Boom kickstand was back to the way it should be so anyway i appreciate that you carry a lot of tools well, thank you um <laughs> it's definitely you know gotten me out of a couple situations along with uh, some other friends yeah <laughs> some other things uh let's say a lot of my group riding i carry some sort of cooler with uh, beverages uh-huh. um medical kits uh toiletries um some of the basics i think that i always tend to carry mm-hmm. sometimes i'm not always set up to just bike pack Mm-hmm. Always have, I'd say, two larger pannier bags mm-hmm. on my bike. So I'm, depending on the distance you're going, the bags may still be on your bike, but what's in it may be, you know, one pound versus 15 pounds, or just depends on your what yes. you're doing. I think uh, we did an episode a couple weeks ago with uh, Jesse, who we are both friends with, and he said the same thing that, you know, he may look like he's fully loaded, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot of stuff in there. So... I asked this in a previous episode too, but any luxury items? Ah, uh, yes. Um, a lot of times I'll carry uh, some sort of massage roller. Um, work out the kinks yeah. uh, whenever you get off the bike and uh, legs are feeling fatigued. Right. Um, I've also carried like a, a tennis ball, uh, just using laying that on the ground and kind of rolling over the top of that. Yep, yep. Uh, another luxury item, camping chair. Um, a lot of times I carry a trifold chair that uh, get off your feet, uh, allows you to uh, bring that core temperature of your body down a little bit. And I think that when I did the episode with Jesse, we specifically talked about your trifold chair. 
and that it's it I would I'm gonna say it saved me that day it was like so hot and you we all took turn took turns sitting in that chair so. I did listen to the podcast and I did hear that yeah. yes did you kind of go yeah that's me that's me a little bit yes <laughs> So I've never really mentioned my luxury item, and it's kind of funny, and I have a couple of friends who carry the same item, but it's a set of Uno cards. And I'm telling you, when we stop somewhere, whether it's a bar or a park or just somewhere where we're kind of chilling out, you get a set of Uno cards out, they are, it's so fun. It is like, fun. It's an easy game, whether you're five years old or 50. I just love it. So that's my luxury item, and it's pretty tiny too it doesn't take up too much room we've had a few uno uno games go uh, quite the distance yeah speaking of jesse shout out to jesse for having a lot of stuff on his bike but i think you might be beating him i'm not sure and it's not a competition but do you want to play the same game that him and i played which was do you have this on your bike absolutely okay <laughs> so um neither one of us are on our bike tonight because uh, it's getting darker and darker as we speak but pretend that you're fully loaded, okay? Do you have on your bike a way to charge your phone? I do. What do you have? A uh, USB uh, battery bank. Uh, oh, yeah. Anywhere 1,500 milliamp hours, get several charges on the cell phone or other devices. Okay. Uh, do you have spare tubes? Yes, I do. How two. about a two? You have two? I, I normally carry two spare tubes. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Okay. Uh, patch kit? Yes, I do. Uh, extra spokes. Yes, uh, but after listening to the podcast of Jesse, uh, yeah. I've just upped my game and uh, <laughs> put in for one of the uh, fiber fix Kevlar spokes. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, yes, the one spoke is uh, for my bike and yeah. no one else. So if uh, anyone else is uh, in trouble, um, that definitely opens up. Also, um, like right now, I carry a chain whip and a uh, spline tool to back off the cassette that's oh. extra more weight with oh. this kevlar i don't need to carry those extra tools to replace uh, a spoke that would break on the cassette side of the rear wheel so i hope that i don't have a spoke break but if i do i hope you or jesse are along for the ride <laughs> okay do you have rain gear i do um normally carry rain gear and swim trunks Oh, smart. <laughs> yeah, so the swim trunks definitely uh, double up uh, during the summertime through the warm, humid Iowa summers. Yes, definitely. Uh, first aid kit. Yes, uh, stocked with a little bit more than the essentials. Uh, I got like a suture kick, water purification, allergy meds, several different other things. And as well. I can tell you firsthand, I had a nice blister on the back of my foot, and I was complaining about it instead of doing something about it. And here comes Dan with his medical kit, and he's got like a medical tape right. that uh, I put a Band-Aid and some medical tape, and it got me through the day, and it, miraculously, when I took everything off, the blister was back to being flat. So, yeah. And you saved somebody else that uh, either had stomach issue or like a Pepto-Bismol tab or something? Yeah, so I do carry a couple of yeah. uh, emergency. Um, yeah, you had everything in that kit. That's And it was huge. <laughs> like it was big to fit on your bike. Uh, it was one that I originally got for a, a car. Um, so, oh, sure. Okay. So it's maybe 8 inches by 10 inches yeah. or something. Yeah, but pretty valuable. I mean, it's worked several times so far. So Yes. Okay, silly parts. Uh, I okay. think that I asked Jesse most of these too, but 
Okay, some sort of tourniquet if someone is severely injured. So I do not carry uh, a tourniquet, but I have thought about this, and if the situation did arise, I would uh, use a spare tube along with like uh, an Allen uh, hex wrench. I tend to carry a full set of Allen wrenches, and that would be kind of a last resort type of thing because I'm definitely not a medical professional, and... uh, Yes, um, let's leave that to the trained professionals. Right. But this, of course, would be in a, you in know, dire a need, yeah. weird situation where we were not near a medical professional. So, right. again, I would want you or Jesse to be with me if something terrible happened. So, uh, bear repellent. I can't say I do. Uh, typically in the Midwest, uh, the bears are more scared of you than right. you are of them. Right. Um, even though I've, you know, come across aggressive dogs as well. Um, that I've gotten close. Uh, for a while, I did have an air horn oh, on my bike, yeah. and that was kind of a good one, but kind of retired it for a little bit of time. You probably didn't need it, and you're like, I need to shave a little bit of <laughs> junk off of my bike. So, uh, Okay, a knife or other cutting device? Yeah, so normally I carry a personal uh, knife on my hip, mm-hmm. um, just a little two-inch knife, and mm-hmm. then there's one always inside of my metal kit medical kit as well okay uh what's on your bike that maybe i haven't mentioned that most people would not carry uh <laughs> not carry maybe an extra pair of shoes um oh. i carry some a lot of times flip-flops uh, it's good to get out of the bike sandals when stopping and uh resting the feet i want them to dry a little bit i think the swim trunks is a fabulous idea for men because maybe people don't know a lot about the group that we hang out in Cedar Rapids but a lot of the guys wear kilts uh, they're they're from a company called sport kilt so they're meant to be worn you know in active situations but they're wool so if it starts pouring down rain pretty smart to be able to throw on your swim trunks and then once the rain's done you can trade them back or you know whatever and like you said if it's really hot or you pass by a swimming hole there you go you got it <laughs> that's right um let's see another one thing i haven't mentioned yet uh carry lots of sunblock oh I'm, yeah there you go <laughs> i'm fair skinned and uh the sun can do a little bit of damage and uh keep you sidelined uh, from the bike yeah so so i have sunscreen as well and it's in a very small uh, maybe four ounces and it has a carabiner on it so i have it clipped uh, visible on the back of my bag and it's amazing how many people are like can I can I just have a little <laughs> squirt of this and you do want them to because being sunburnt the next day is no fun for everyone right. so, and you know you're fair skin <laughs> you just start turning red and everyone's like Dan put some sunscreen on that's right <laughs> another item is uh, sometimes I don't carry a camp stove or cook set a lot of our oh, sure. cycling is from town to town yeah and um, most of our tours it just we have those services and they're within reasonable distance that we really don't need a cook set right right um, but you have one if you end up going on a tour and you need one yes I do yeah me too um, but for us at least I assume that it's true for the whole Midwest but we have a love of a convenience store called Casey's and I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but it's like a one-stop shop. I mean, you can you can get yourself a new toothbrush, or you can get some beer, or you can get uh, pizza, or donuts, or your Pepto Bismol. I mean, they got they have everything, loaf of bread, 
we could probably, if we did have your camp stove, we could, you know, fry up some eggs. That's right. <laughs> but we Do spend a whole meal. we spend a ton of time at Casey's, and I'm not embarrassed to say that. Neither am I. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, how about um, any bicycling do's or don'ts worth mentioning? Ooh, um, I'd say do ask questions. Uh, most cyclists just love to talk bicycles and gear, um, and they're not shy about it. So yeah. definitely ask. Um, don'ts. Um, you don't need the shiniest piece of new gear, the lightest. Start small in it. You can acquire all of this over time. You'll kind of funnel into your style. Let's say start, do an easy overnight trip. Um, yeah it's the easiest way to see what you used and what's unnecessary this is the time to train before you're going to a big extended tour if that's a goal of yours yeah um, and an easy, easy overnight also means that you're not too far from home like if you panic or something weather or something mechanical you you're right. not too far away and that's another one don't forget to look over your bike um oh, all yeah. repairs and maintenance uh, lubrication making sure that you know you don't face any unnecessary challenges on your tour right and the easy ones air in your tire make sure your chain is greased properly right and your brakes work i mean those are the main things and when people don't check those i mean that's those can be uh end of the day i mean you're done right so um another do i would say is make yourself approachable mm. um talk to locals uh You'd be surprised how many strangers uh, are willing to just strike up a conversation uh, or even help you out. Um, sometimes we sport little conversation pieces. Uh, you know, you and your friends may be familiar with uh, traveling by bike, um, but off the beaten path, people have never conceived of riding <laughs> these long distances on bikes. Um, you can cause people to reconsider what's possible for them and recalls maybe similar adventures of of their lives and you could be an inspiration we've had so many families offer us food lodging yeah. beer just to get to know you i think it's been two or three times that we um and but when i say we i'm in part of the group that bags out to the start of ragbri uh, we befriended um, some bar owners who ended up letting us sleep in the bar and right. You know, normally I would never even consider sleeping on the floor of a bar, but that particular first year it was, you know, 100, 100 degrees at 10 o'clock at night, and, you know, we probably had just enough to drink that we're like, yeah, why wouldn't we sleep in the bar? And so we did, and it was so fun, and, you know, once the bar closed, it was lights out, and then the next morning they made breakfast for us. Yes, like, they it did. It was awesome, and we've been back since then. Oh, and they offered us showers. They um, did. And it was like at the firehouse but oh man that was like you said the hospitality of strangers you know they look at us like you guys are crazy but we're gonna help you <laughs> that's right yeah and then i do remember one other morning and i can't recall if you were with us um we camped at a pavilion of a park and we woke up in the morning and a man from across the street walked over with this huge pot and in the pot was like this concoction of uh, eggs and beans and sausage and he just he brought it over and said you guys might need some you know get your get fired up for the day and then there was a big spoon and that's all we had that's right and he just uh, asked us to drop it off at his house when it we were done amazing and so we're all like oh do we 
eat this or don't we? And then before you know it, the pot was empty because we were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so good. But, you know, we never even met the guy the night before. He just we did not. saw us and thought we were, you know, maybe he thought we were crazy. I don't know, but it was a blast. So, so those are some awesome do's and don'ts and some good inspiration for, you know, being able to talk to people definitely gets you moving forward for future trips so that's right that's awesome yeah um so speaking of future trips do you have any adventures on the horizon well um vacation from work is some somewhat limited yeah um but i definitely uh, in the upcoming next year maybe a year after i want to get up to minnesota and uh do either like the paul bunyan or the masabi trail yeah um those look like some great stretches. And there actually is a Paul Bunyan ride. Yep. Um, our buddy Brooks Reynolds, who's out of Des Moines, he uh, has some connections up in Brainerd. Is that what it's called? Uh, yes, Brainerd. Brainerd. Yep. And so it's literally called the Paul Bunyan ride. So it's it's a blast. So you guys Google that after you're done listening to the podcast, the Paul Bunyan ride. So anyway, go ahead. Oh, and also the Kitty Trail. I'd love to do the full oh, yeah. Kitty Trail. Um, parking in St. Louis, uh, catching the Amtrak mm-hmm. to Kansas City and doing the 210 miles of the Katy Trail. Now is the Katy Trail, it's almost all limestone, right? Yes. Okay. I figured so. The parts that I've done from historic St. Charles was, I'm pretty sure, all unpaved. Correct. Okay. But it was a blast too. Pretty sure it's 210. and trying to remember the distance, but it sounds right. Yeah. I think that's right. It's a long ways and involves a train, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I loved hearing your stories, and I actually love being part of your biking group, so thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, same here. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Well, how about a touring tip? Let's talk cool weather gear. There are plenty of days in the year, especially in the Midwest, where your bike ride involves temperatures that vary drastically throughout the day. For example, a typical fall day in Iowa may start out brisk, but as soon as the sun starts shining, you quickly realize you are overdressed. My advice is to invest in layers, lots and lots of layers. I'm a big fan of merino wool and wool blends. Wool gear is lightweight, warming, and wicking, meaning the wool absorbs moisture away from your body. A very wise man, Rob McKillop, a shout out to Rob, once told me the tip of all tips that I live and breathe by. He said when it's cold out, don't sweat while you are cycling. Why does he say this? Well, because if you start sweating and then the temps drop, you are at great risk for getting very cold in your wet clothes, maybe even hypothermia if you are stuck in those wet clothes for a long time. So back to talking about layers. Always start with less layers than you think you need on your body, but pack more layers for later. It takes me about a mile to get warmed up, so if I start my ride feeling chilly, I quickly go from chilly to comfortable. If I start to feel warm, I stop and take off a layer or two. The goal is not to sweat. If I'm out biking all day, as the sun goes down, the temps will drop quickly. And for me, the first areas to get cold are my ears, my hands, and my feet. So easy layers to add would be wool socks, gloves, and a headband. They make a huge difference for me. 
And if it continues to get colder, adding merino wool tights and a lightweight jacket help tremendously. Uh, don't put on too heavy of a jacket or you'll be sweating before you realize it. And as Rob would say, sweating can be the kiss of death if riding long distance in cold. So pack some extra layers and invest in a few merino wool items. That's this week's touring tip. Well, check out morphologypodcast.com and email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate you and thanks for taking the time to tune in and listen to the Morphology Podcast. I will leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Brian Tracy. Leadership is the ability to get extraordinary achievement from ordinary people. Think about it.